Plastic Surgery Podcast. Today, Dr. Millicent Ravello and I are going to tackle a large subject. That is a very appropriate way of saying that we are going to talk about breast reduction. Yes, we are. Breast reduction is a key operation, very important, and one of the most highly satisfied patient populations in plastic surgery. Yes. I have literally never had a patient be like, oh, wow, I really wish I hadn't done that. I've had a few breast augmentation patients that were like, mm, you know, maybe if I thought about it 20 years ago, I wouldn't have done this or something like that. But you know also who doesn't ever say that? Tummy tuck patients. But breast reduction patients <laughs> are generally so happy they did it. Yes. Usually the very first thing I hear is, why didn't I do this earlier? And number one, day after surgery, I feel so much better already. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. People don't, if, if you don't have large breasts, which I don't, and uh, then you're not going to understand what it is to have them until you go take two three-pound weights from the gym. Get two of them. Yeah. Tie a rope around them and wear them around your neck for- All day. For, wear them for four hours. Never mind all day. Yeah. This is a very, this is difficult for your neck, your back, your yes. shoulders, and it is a taxing situation that, that I don't think is understood by people who aren't in this situation. No, I a thousand percent agree. I mean, these patients who have these large breasts, large breasts start to sag over time. They're literally hanging off of your shoulders. And what ends up happening is constant chronic pain in the neck, in the shoulders. Sometimes it can even cause tingling in the hands if it's yep. compressing any nerves and just chronic, constant back pain. The other thing that I hear is difficulty with exercise because they can't run. They can't do any of the cardio exercise that they want to do because these breasts are literally that hard to carry. They're flopping around. They are uncomfortable. They really make it impossible to do some things that these patients would really love to do. And so that's typically why they come in. They are fed up with having to deal with all of this extra weight and pain that they've been dragging around for the past 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's very evident in the post-operative patient how happy they are with this operation. Now, there's a trade-off because there are scars involved that are, you know, somewhat, you know, not great. But they're yeah. not terrible. There's, yeah, and there's, there's no way around it. So I, th I mean, so typically what I tell patients, so they come in, they come in for a breast reduction consult. We go through their whole history. You know, I find out what size breasts they are, what size breasts they would ideally like to be. We talk about their symptoms, and then we talk about sort of what their next step is. And here it depends on if they're trying to go through insurance, insurance or if they're not. And if they're trying to go through insurance, then there are a few extra hoops that we have to jump through. Insurance definitely requires that you have tried other non-surgical methods of treatment for your back neck shoulder pain which I think is ridiculous because the problem right. are these large breasts <laughs> and I'm like well have you tried chiropractors have you tried physical therapy have you this is my favorite when I get the notes from insurance that say have the patients tried a supportive bra clearly written by a man because anybody that has these large breasts walking around has tried a support 
bra. Oh, that seems like a good oh, idea. That seems like a good idea. Oh, I guess I'll try to support yeah. bra. Well, I haven't tried that yet. <laughs> good idea, Mr. Insurance Man. <laughs> no. So you have to document that they've done all of this stuff and it still hasn't resolved the problem. No. And then we take photographs and we submit the photographs as part of the medical record documentation that these patients have very large breasts that are contributing to all of these problems. All right. And in the photographs, they're looking for several things. Shoulder grooving. Yes. They're looking for rashes typically under the breasts. Yes. Uh, they are obviously looking for you know the size of the breast compared to the body. And that's where this is the most ridiculous factor in insurance uh, authorization, I think. BMI. The BMI. So that Body I- mass <laughs> index is a factor. Is a factor in whether or not you get a breast reduction. The idea being that if you have a higher BMI, if you are overweight, then you are less likely to qualify for a breast reduction because you should just lose weight. That's sort of the idea. It's like, the overriding principle. So the problem so is, dumb. number one, dumb. a lot of these patients have difficulty losing weight because they can't exercise, they can't do the things they want to do. Number two, for patients that carry weight in the breasts, even when they lose weight, they don't lose it in the breast. No, it stays. It, that's where it is. Number because three, it's breast tissue. breast tissue, for them to lose the amount that they would need to actually have a change in their symptoms, they'd have to be skeletons. And then now they're just having extra skin, which is causing rashes. Like the BMI is ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. I don't know when that got added. It was like, maybe it was six or seven years ago. I remember... When they said, BM, well, oh, we need the BMI, I was like, BMI? And I remember it was like a change because I'd never heard that. And I was like, why do they need the BMI? Right. And then all of a sudden I realized they're using BMI as a way to not pay, pay for, the, for the breast reduction. For, yeah, for patients that they are saying, well, you're just overweight and that's why you have large breasts. The other thing they use the BMI for is to tell the surgeon how much they have to take off in order for the procedure to be covered. And so they're, I think, trying to weed out a more cosmetic breast reduction. But in essence, what they're saying is if you have a BMI of 40, then you have to remove, I'm making these numbers up, 800 grams of breast tissue in order to qualify. Ridiculous. Whereas if you have a BMI of 20, you only have to remove 200 grams because they're acting like the breasts are proportionate to the body habitus and they really they not always are dumb it's it's the size of the breast yes contributes to the overall pain etc that you're having but there it's not like a straight line linear association you have big breasts you have pain (laughs) no because human bodies are not linear in any way shape or form they are not built the same way it's it's just insane. The bottom line is that if these people have the symptoms and their breasts are too big, then let us let reduce them to the reduction. right size. Yeah, and it's not like oh, you know, we're gonna take off a hundred grams or you know something ridiculous. If somebody needs a reduction, we're gonna do a reduction. We're gonna do a reduction. But don't tell us how much it needs to be because. That may not be the right amount to, A, make the breast smaller and make them look like normal breasts. Yeah, it's a very arbitrary system. Some of them, it's like a mastectomy. mastectomy. (laughs) And it's like, she doesn't need a mastectomy. She just needs a... Well, if she wants to be pain-free, then she'll have it. No, I mean, come on, people. What is this? Yeah, so that's typically the the tricky part and trying to get. Did I say I was going to bash the insurance reviewers? I did. I really did agree to that ahead of time. Sorry, I'm 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 pretty much bashing them. (laughs) Well, it's 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 hard because it's hard not to. They they make you jump through so many hoops and is 
not uncommon. I probably do at least one a month, a peer-to-peer review with a medical director where I have to get on the phone and explain the case for the patient. Well, why does she need a breast reduction? And I'm like, number one, it's already in my notes. Number two, like these are the additional reasons. Like it's just hoop after hoop after hoop. But the ultimate goal is that Hopefully we get you authorized and then you can go on and have your breast reduction. If you don't get authorized, then we can talk about cash payments and, and things like that. Or you can go down to the uh, the insurance company office and yell and scream at those people. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would Sometimes do. that works. That works. Sometimes it does. When the works. patient calls yeah. and starts screaming at them saying like, what do you mean you're not authorizing me for this? And they tell their symptoms and they tell their story. Suddenly they get an authorization shows up. (laughs) It does work. Oh, yeah. The squeaky wheel. Big time. Definitely. Because the insurer is working for the patient. And if the patient's not happy with their insurance and they say, you know what? Next time open enrollment comes around, I'm picking so-and-so over this company. Then they don't like that. So they may may listen to the squeaky wheel when it comes to authorization. Right. Um, So how do you do breast reductions? Tell me how that operation works. Because I know you have some cool techniques and they... Look amazing when you're done. Well, I think it depends on the the breast. Um, If I'm looking at a very large breast and the volume that needs to come out is pretty substantial, then I'm definitely looking at what we call the anchor pattern. So that is an incision that goes around the nipple, down the center of the breast, and then along the inframemory fold or the horizontal crease under the breast. And that incision, you have to do it. If you have very large breasts and you're trying to take out a lot of breast tissue, you're trying to remove a lot of skin, you're trying to lift the nipple, you know, 20 centimeters, you have to do this long skin incision. There's no way around it. But through that incision, we can take out the extra breast tissue, we lift the nipple areolar complex back up onto the chest wall, and we reduce a significant amount of the breast. Typically in these patients, I do also have to do liposuction on the side wall of the body, that side boob. Even in someone that maybe doesn't have a whole lot of it preoperatively, just by the nature of reducing the breast tissue and lifting it up on the chest wall, it sort of pushes the breast out to the side a little bit. And so everybody benefits from a little bit of liposuction on that side wall. Yeah, the liposuction is not covered by the insurance, that though. you got to pay for that covered. out of pocket. They will not cover that. It's not part of the breast reduction. No. You got to pay for that part. Yeah. So. Sometimes. And it's necessary because, you know, yeah. who wants that armpit thing? Yeah, I know. And I, it's a thing. It's a thing. I just had a lady today that came back and she loves her breasts. She's so happy. But we didn't do the liposuction on the sides because, you know, for whatever reason, didn't want to pay for it. And that's her one complaint. She was like, if I lose weight, do you think this will go away? I'm like, Probably not. No. Probably not. But that was her one post-operative complaint. She loved everything else. She felt great. She didn't like the extra stuff on the sides. I saw a patient for revision uh, reduction with uh, an implant placed for shape. And the side things looked like... Yeah. They were like handles or something. They were just awful. And she's like, why would they leave it like this? I was like, I I Uh, don't even know. So she needs to get those off. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a tricky one. You know, I, a lot of times I just do it because I I can't leave a patient looking like that. <laughs> like, I just no. I, like I can't. I'm like you give can't. me the liposuction machine. I can't. I can't. I can't let the patient off the table with this this stuff. No, over it's here. terrible. I you know at the end of the day, I really want the breast to look nice as well. You know, it is therapeutic. It's serving a function, but I really want them to look nice too. They got to look nice. I think artistry and reduction mammoplasty is really important to me. I have a whole blog piece about it on my website. I I just 
I think if I'm going to do a breast reduction, I got to make it look beautiful. I, I have to. Yeah, I agree. This I, concept of like, oh, well, they're reduced, aren't they? That that like mentality of, you know, no. just meathead surgeons drives me crazy. If I'm doing a reduction, I am going to make it look sweet. I yeah. want it awesome. Yeah. I do not want it looking like some boxy, you know, kind of old lady boobs that's no good to me it needs to be nice yeah i mean the the, the problem you because you mentioned the boxy thing the bigger the breast the more boxy the more boxy <laughs> it's going to be post-operatively and i struggle with that because yeah ideally they wouldn't get a little bit wider but sometimes they get wider especially if they they're really large breasts it's physics at play you know you, the Can't residual Breast tissue has to go somewhere, and once you've lifted everything, it does get a little bit wider if you have a really large breast to start out with. But a girl can dream. A girl can dream. And that's what you need to do with those, because yeah. some of them you just got to like, gotta you got to like, like okay, it is what it is. This is what we're getting here, yeah. and at least they're going to be smaller, and you're going to be out of pain. Right. And so that's, you know, that's the large, very large breast reduction. And then there's that kind of more medium candidate, that small, not small, but smaller breast reduction, a moderate medium-sized breast that's having the symptoms, but maybe isn't excessively large. Those are the ones that are really, really satisfying to do because you can get the therapeutic benefit and you can make a really nice breast. You know, the incisions don't have to be as long. If you're doing a therapeutic breast reduction as opposed to just a breast lift, you're going to have an anchor pattern. Like, There's just no way around. I can't yeah. do a therapeutic breast reduction through a small lollipop incision. No. I need that extension along the fold. Well, because it has to do with the distance of skin from the nipple to the inframammary fold. You just can't you can't yeah. make it small. It, it's yeah. not a magic wand. It's not. You got to cut it. You got to do some kind of skin incision. But at least if they're a smaller size breast, I can limit the length of that horizontal incision. And I can generally make a very pleasing, perky, nice looking breast um, if they're not very, very large to start out with. When do you need to do... Let me ask you one question before we get to this next question yes. that I have. I know you don't know which either one is, so I'm just <laughs> thinking out loud. Nipple sensation after mm-hmm. breast reduction. What's your experience? Oh, it's definitely still there. So I see my patients usually fall into one of two categories. Generally, right after surgery, there's a little bit less sensation that comes back after a few months. The other category is patients that are super sensitive right after surgery. Yes, hypersensitivity. Hypersensitivity. You just brush up against the nipple and they're like, ah, ah, ah. (laughs) That also (laughs) goes away and and gets better. Um, And I would say usually by two to three months, things have sort of washed themselves out and you're more or less back to normal. Erotic sensation is still there. Sensation to light touch is still there. The ability to breastfeed is actually still there. So So I've had a few patients who've had significant loss of sensation with uh, breast breast reduction from very large, large, large breasts will do it. I don't know how much sensation they had. That's what I was going to say. You have to ask them before because if they have very large breasts, and the nipples are very far from their chest wall, they've probably lost sensation. Because they have yeah. to. Those nerves are so stretched out to get to the nipple that frequently they don't have a whole lot of breast sensation right. to start out with. But it can be lost. It can be altered. Um, you can alter uh, sexual sensations. Um, that can be different. In general, not. In general, not. In general, not. Yeah, I really don't have too many people that even complain or noted. They're like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Free nipple grafts. 
free nipple graft. So let's talk about the nipple for a minute. When we talk about moving the nipple around. The yeah, it's nip- really the nipple areola The nipple complex. areolar complex. Yeah, it's the, it's the, the colored The colored part. skin and the nipple and itself. And the nipple itself. That goes as a unit. Yes. Nipple areolar complex. And frequently with a breast reduction, that gets reduced. So it gets made a lot smaller than it typically is to start out with. It gets made smaller and it gets lifted. But in order for us to do those modifications and to take out all the breast tissue that we need, we have to make a lot of cuts in the breast and we can typically only leave one major blood vessel to the nipple to keep it alive. Typically, the nipple has about four blood vessels keeping it alive. In a breast reduction, we take away three of them and we leave one behind and that's our sole blood supply. We call it our pedicle to the nipple. And it can come from below, it can come from the side, it can come from above. Regardless, that's the pedicle. The problem is when we get to very large breasts or if the nipple is a very long distance from the chest wall, it is much harder to preserve the nipple and keep it alive on one pedicle alone. It just, that one pedicle is not enough. No, and it's too long. And it's too long. So in those cases, we start talking about free nipple grafts. A free nipple graft is when you harvest the nipple in a regular complex, like a skin graft. As a unit. As a unit. Literally take it off. You literally take, think like a cheese grater sort of thing, just slicing off the nipple and a little bit of surrounding skin. That's, I think I heard a few people just go, ooh, just when you said yeah, that, because I, I, I was like, I know, don't, I don't cut that off my nipples, please. analogy, but that's basically <laughs> what we do. We sort of slice it off, and then we take all the skin out, we take out all the breast tissue, we reshape the, the breast, make, it look, make nice. it look nice, and then we literally just paste the nipple not literally, kind of literally, paste the nipple back on like a skin graft into the position that we want it to be. And the benefit of that is that now that nipple is surviving by basically the blood supply surrounding it. It drinks its blood supply from the surrounding skin. And it has a higher chance of living than if we try to keep it living on this one pedicle, which 30 was... 30 centimeters yeah, long. <laughs> which the blood supply to get there would have taken, you know, five days. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and the free nipple grafts look great. And interestingly, they do get some sensation back. They do get some sensation. Interestingly. Yeah. And they and they get erectile function back. It's kind of it's kind, it's kind of, of cool. I haven't seen this, but I have a colleague who told me that he had a young girl who was able to breastfeed through a free nipple graft, which blows my mind. It, it, it I don't see why that shouldn't happen because if there's remodeling over time, I mean, I I, I bet that that I don't know if that's reported or whatever. I but don't know. I I always tell them you won't be able to breastfeed, but maybe maybe I mean, you can. I guess I don't I don't, I, I don't know how you can grow breast milk ducts into a nipple graft. I guess, I guess it's possible. It's possible. New things possible. But the free nipple grafts, they take a little while to heal. You know, they lose their pigmentation for a few months. Yeah, they'll, they'll slough the, the epidermis will slough off and people get very concerned. No, that's the color of the nipple. So people get, they kind of go like, wait, you know, it's like, just don't worry. Don't worry. It'll heal. It's a process. Yeah. So like I that, usually that's very, have That's them, a big thing for me. I say that a lot. It's a it's process. A process. It's a process. And it is. You know, for the next few months, I have them put antibiotic ointment on it through the epithelialization process. And slowly the color comes back. And yeah, erectile function. The nipple is projected. Sure, it comes sure. back. So that's for patients that have very, very large breasts and the nipple is very descended. Yes. You got to do it. I mean, these operations, though, are life-changing. I want to emphasize that. The, the patient's... You know, the women who have these done are really thrilled with the results. They are so happy. And here's the thing with breast reductions. 
100% of them are going to have some wound healing complications. That's just sort of the nature of making these long incisions. So you're saying everyone. <laughs> I'm saying everyone. And it's right at that T-junction where the vertical meets yeah. the horizontal. And sometimes it's tiny. It's a little pinpoint little dry area or a little area drainage. Uh, but it's it's not uncommon. Okay, fine. Maybe 95%. Get a little bit of wound healing issues. You have to do some ointment on it. And it heals on its own. So even with this prolonged healing process and dealing with the scars, they don't care. They literally don't care. They're like, it's cool. Whatever. I'm so happy. I was going to back you on the 100%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're going give me this so like, true. skeptical eye. I'm like, okay, fine, 95. Yeah, no, <laughs> Maybe it's, you it's get 100%. that 5% that no, don't break I, down. <laughs> I do. Everybody's got some issue somewhere. You know, suture abscess, yeah, something spitting. Like it, You're going to get yeah. through it. You just got to take care of it. That's why we're here. But uh, but yeah, the reductions are amazing. Yeah. Um, one of the big problems, though, that I do see in reductions is a little bit of fat necrosis, some some hard, scarred Sometimes. fat in the breast that is painful. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen that um, on a couple, maybe one or two of my larger, larger breast reductions. Yeah, you get some areas of firmness because there just yeah. wasn't enough blood supply to the remaining breast for it to, to survive. It happens. It definitely um, So post-op, you're going to wear your bra. You're going to uh, take care of, you know, the incisions, the wound. We're going to give you some scar gel that you mm-hmm. need to, well, you're going to buy it. Cause it's, it it's not cheap. It ain't cheap. <laughs> yes. I mean, so the good scar gels are expensive. pricey. And I love the silicone um, sheeting. The That's the anchor anchor yeah. shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that really makes a difference for the scars. Yeah, I agree. So my rule for the scar management is that once the wounds are healed, um, we can start and we definitely, I advise you to start using silicone scar therapy. Um, you know, Mederma, vitamin E, aloe vera, all of these things are super moisturizing, but they don't do anything for scar maturation. No. The only thing we've shown in the literature and our scientific papers and in our research is silicone. And yep. you can get it either as a cream or a gel, which you apply twice a day, or you can get these strips, which are frequently and conveniently cut into the shape of your scar. And I like the strips in the beginning because they give a little bit of pressure to the scar, which also helps with scar maturation in the beginning. But the most important thing that I tell patients about any kind of scar therapy, whether you do the strips or the gels, is that you have to commit for a good three to six months of treatment. If you do it for two weeks or you do it for a month and then stop, you've wasted your money because that's not going to do the trick. You really got to commit to managing it long term. Well, and the reason that the the silicone sheeting works is because it's negatively charged and the negative charge in the silicone is what really tells the fibroblasts to lay flat. Yeah, (laughs) it does. It is, it is a proven benefit and it's, it's, you can't put, you know, polyurethane on it. You got to put silicone and it's the silicone strips that, that do control and coach the fibroblasts at staying flat. So it works right? and it works in the cream. It works in the, in the sheeting and you can make these scars better. And if they get discolored, we can laser them. Mm-hmm. You know, Rock Spa and get, you know, Orla, you know, fired up on the right. on our brandy new V-beam the over V-beam. there. V-beam. I was just talking to her about this a few days ago. We just got the V-beam. And she's like, you know, as soon as your wounds are healed, send them over. Because the sooner you can start lasering them, the better. Yeah, because you get the capillary because redness you out. get it out. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be my new thing. Like, get your breast reduction. Get yourself healed, Definitely. and then I'm getting into Orla, and you're going to do the V-beam, and I'm going to do the silicone, and these scars, you know, everybody scars differently. How you scar is very, you know, it's your own thing. Everybody has their own way of doing it. But if we can manage it, then hopefully we can get ahead of any bad scars. 
And then the other question I get, you know, from especially from my younger patients is, am I going to have to have a breast reduction again? I, I got stories about that. Yeah. So unfortunately, that unfortunately, can come back. Yes, especially if you're prone to keeping your weight in your breasts or to having large breasts. If you're younger and you go on to have children, to be pregnant, to breastfeed, your breasts are going to enlarge. There's a chance you're going to have to have them reduced again. Or just if with aging and natural weight gain and with menopause, your breasts are going to get larger. So there's yep. a chance they're going to have to be reduced again. Yeah, and we do re-reductions. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was at the University of Pittsburgh, seven years there, we reduced one patient three times in the seven oh, years gosh. I was there. Yeah, she had her first one at 16 and then again at like 19 and again at 21. It's crazy. Her breast just kept growing. Full hormonal yeah. workup, full endocrine workup, full everything. I know everybody's thinking like, oh, what's that a problem? No. No problem. That's, she just grew breasts. That's, that's, that's a special patient that has some kind of pathophysiology to just grow really large breasts. I would say the earliest that I would do a breast reduction would maybe be... 16, 17 in a patient that yeah. really has shown a pathological development right, have the symptoms. of large breasts, you know, grew very quickly over a short period of time. She's having problems with the back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, or even just feeling self-conscious, being made fun of, you know, just doesn't like being around, you know, boys or whatever, just very self-conscious about the size of the breasts. Um, all that I would definitely take into consideration in doing an early breast reduction with the caveat that she may need another one because her yep. breasts will probably continue to grow if she's really that young. It's uh, it's amazing, but uh, it does happen for it, sure. It does happen. But that uh, being aside, you know, I would say mm, 19, 20 would probably be the earliest. I would say, yeah, you're probably ready now. Your breasts have probably stopped. So now would be a good time if you're thinking about it. Well, it's a great operation. I know you do a great job with it. I love doing it as well. And uh, we're happy to answer your questions. Obviously, you can call, uh, call us at our offices. Uh, anything else about breast reduction, Dr. Ravella? Oh, yes. My one soapbox. You have to wear a bra. <laughs> Duh. Duh. So... <laughs> The first six weeks-ish, you know, while your wounds are healing, you'll be in a non-underwire support bra that you have to wear 24 hours a day, around the clock, except when showering. But once that initial healing phase is done, you are not done with bras. You are in bras for life. You are wearing an underwire bra. You are supporting these breasts because gravity always wins. And the more support you can give them, the longer your results will last. I agree. (laughs) 100%. I'm not sure we even needed to say that. Did we need to say that? Oh my gosh, I have to say it all the time. What? Well, I mean, I see it with breast reductions. I see it with breast implant patients. They get these new boobs and they're so happy with them and they support themselves and they're like, I don't ever have to wear a bra again. Those things are so uncomfortable. Uh, I hate them. I'm like, okay, slow your roll. This is your honeymoon (laughs) period with the breasts, but you got to put the work in. Right. How how soon do you want to have another operation? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You got to wear a bra. Yeah. And wearing bras at night actually are are very helpful for breast implants and and breast reduction. Wear bras at night. Yeah. And there you have it. You have it from the expert. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just over here agreeing, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to send Dr. Ravello to the house and it's going to be the bra police, you know, yes. right along with the mattress police. <laughs> I'm sorry, ma'am, you have no tags on these mattresses. You're going to need to come with me. Um, yeah, so you got to wear the bra. Well, I think that is about it. Uh, again, more more information, the better. Uh, please, you know, feel free to check out our websites. Uh, Give us a call, come in for a consultation. But until then, 
This is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is MediSpa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 Westcliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty and if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform it's the way to maintain those operations if you mention this podcast you will get the members pricing for your hydrofacial the Beverly Hills plastic surgery podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.